Episode 2. I had a little problem with getting episode 2 uh, put together. The person that I was originally going to have come on and tell his story was somebody that I had met through my uh, Sasquatch Hypotheses profile on Facebook. And he agreed to come on to the show. And as I was uh, putting together my show notes and everything like that, uh, Facebook locked up my profile so I have no way of contacting him um, his name is Micah and he saw a Bigfoot through the window of a car looking at him through the window of a car when he was a young man young boy so uh, unfortunately I have no way of getting a hold of Micah I tried to get a hold of him through uh, um, Google Plus, but so far I haven't heard back from him. So, Micah, if you're listening to this show, please email me at sasquatchhypotheses at gmail.com or just search for me on Google Plus and you'll find me. And uh, we'll uh, get together and get your story on the show. So, for tonight's show, instead of having Micah on, and since I have didn't have time to really prepare uh, anybody else I'm going to uh, talk to you folks a little bit about my background and 
just basically rant about a couple of uh, topics that I've heard on other shows that uh, are kind of a pet peeve with me, at least portions of them. So, <clears throat> as far as my background, when I was a kid, I spent time in the city and the country. Uh, my mother was from the Boston area, and she met my father when he was in the military. He was stationed up there um, before he went to Germany, where, which is where I was born. And my father's family is from the Blue Ridge Mountains in Virginia. <clears throat> so he's basically a hillbilly, or his origins were uh, a hillbilly. So, while he was in Vietnam, we actually lived there for a while um, with Granny, his mother. And I got to, you know, roam around in the woods and get the city kid knocked out of me a little bit. So, I wasn't, I was a little bit, I, I could adapt to either, either environment, either um, street kid or wandering around in the woods. Now also, and the, the, I'm just going over some uh, bullet points of my background as they um, are pertinent to uh, what I do here on Sasquatch Hypotheses. I've been drawing since I was about 12 years old. I started out uh, back then, the Planet of the Apes was big, so I used to draw, you know, uh, chimpanzees and gorillas a lot. Um, also, back then, you know, it was uh, the whole skull and crossbones thing and uh, that kind of stuff was big. So I draw, drew a lot of that. And, uh, of course, uh, chicks, when you're 12 years old, you do a lot of drawing um, females. So I did a lot of drawing. I actually got pretty good at it, all self-taught, until when I was about... 35 I developed maybe closer to 40 I developed some sort of uh, peripheral neuropathy so my hands shake kind of like Parkinson's when I try to uh, do anything any kind of fine movements with my hands so obviously I don't draw it so well anymore also when I was 12 I actually had to go to summer school uh, one year there when I was 12 with sixth grade I think or something like that in summer, summer school, they didn't, you know, you complete, at least the summer school I went to, you had to complete summer school, but it wasn't necessarily the course that you took or the course that you failed. So what I actually studied in summer school was stop motion animation, um, uh, filmmaking, filmmaking special effects. I have no idea what the heck that had to do with failing English, but I enjoyed it. And that kind of got me into the whole filmmaking, CGI, special effects kind of stuff, which I uh, studied as a hobby pretty much from then on. Um, I've used about every um, 3D animation program out there, um, any of the big ones anyway, and some of the small ones really, um, like Maya, 3ds Max, um, Blender 3D, those in, in, you know, at least a half a dozen other ones. Um, I was also in the military for about six years. 
when I was in the military, I was actually in military intelligence, which just prior to me going in was called the Army Security was it, Army Security Agency, and they had changed it to military intelligence not not long before that uh, because they wanted it to. It came, all came under an umbrella of Intelligence Security Command. So we, you know, studied Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines. We all went to the same uh, intelligence schools instead of something specifically Army, specifically Navy. So they changed it from like uh, Army Army Security Agency to uh, uh, Military Intelligence. That's what everybody was under. Anyway. While I was in the military, I, I was I qualified as an expert marksman. I'd been shooting guns since I was about six years old. So I basically don't miss when I shoot at something. Maybe more so now that I have these uh, this shaking problem, but I still I still do pretty good. I would still I would probably still qualify as an expert marksman even with the shakes. But back when I was in the army, I I didn't miss. <coughs> Um, when I was working in, in uh, military intelligence, I actually, uh, right off the bat, accidentally got into this experimental program that was uh, really fell under DARPA. And while I was working on that, I actually got involved in helping them develop the software that was used to gather intelligence in this experimental um, tactical system that that we had. I can't talk too much about it because of the classification, but <clears throat> in my everyday uh, work, I actually sent, I, I, I supported the office of the director of the NSA. I also supported the uh, commanding general of the Third Corps and the Eighth Army um, directly. So everything that I worked with was all classified top secret SCI and uh, with a string of caveats that I can't say but uh, if you've ever seen the movie Enemy of the State with Will Smith that's basically what I did now that's about as, mu as, as much as I can say about it and uh, my job specifically was uh, if you've ever seen the movie Gene Hackman is in that movie and Gene Hackman, the job he des describes having done when he was working at the NSA is what I did. Only I did it in tactical systems, not at the NSA itself. <clears throat> so like I said, I had a top secret SCI clearance, which in the civilian world is generally referred to as above top secret. Although there really is no such thing as above top secret. but. Um, top secret SCI is, is what most of the time they're referring to when they uh, refer to that in a movie or whatever. So when I got out of the military, because of my experience developing that software and all of that, and because we worked um, ex extensively um, with communications and networking while I was in there, you know, uh, that wasn't really my job, but we had to know what we were doing um, because we had uh, civilian hardware and software reps that worked with us, but being a tactical unit, 
if we got fielded out to a combat zone, you know, they weren't going to be there with us. So we had the know-how to um, get the systems up and, you know, do some of that stuff. So when I got out of the Army, I actually continued on in the IT um, business. I uh, started my own company. I used to make custom computer systems and uh, do consulting for networking and internet and that kind of thing. This was back in uh, the mid-90s. And uh, I, became, I got into programming. I, I taught myself how to program in Python and C++, uh, Perl, and a little bit of PHP. So <coughs> I became a Linux developer in about 96, 97. And I, I fooled around with doing that for a while until I actually got an offer I couldn't refuse from an internet company to go in and become their network administrator. And the uh, company was regional and we ended up going nationwide and were working on going um, international when the dot-com bust happened and the company went under. So I'm still in IT. I own my own wireless internet company right now. Um, while I was working for that other company, which I skipped over, we also had uh, commercial websites that we were hosting on a, uh, a room full of servers and we had, uh, I believe it was like five or six hundred um, websites that we were hosting for companies around the country. Um, so that's um, pretty much it as far as uh, my technical background and you know that kind of stuff. Uh, also, when I was about 12 years old, 12, 13, something like that, <coughs> I saw a Bigfoot looking in the window, which is episode one. If you haven't listened to episode one, I'm just going to hit the high points here for you. I saw a Bigfoot looking in the window at me and my cousins when I was about 12, 13 years old and from about four feet away. We were all sitting at the kitchen table. And I had a good probably two minutes to study its face because it was busy looking at my cousin Teresa um, and listening to her talk. So I had a good two minutes to study its face until I finally realized that I wasn't looking at some guy. I was looking at something I'd never seen before and it spooked me and I ran and that was kind of the end of that. I've also, at the time, didn't realize it because I was young, but, you know, thinking back, I realized that I've been paralleled through the woods by a Bigfoot, probably the same one, actually. And also, um, years later, um, camping with a couple of my friends, I think we had at least one Bigfoot, probably two minimum, um, encircling our camp. But we thought, you know, it was... Well, my friends were freaking out, but I tried to convince them it was something, you know, um, harmless, like uh, raccoons and stuff like that. But it was it was pretty uh, pretty heavy sticks being broken out there and stuff. So that's that's uh, so I've had some Bigfoot experiences, um, and one one for sure. The other two, you know, it could be or may not, but. Uh, I'm pretty uh, convinced myself that those were also 
um, Bigfoot's paralleling and watching us as we camped on the side of the mountain. The camping trip was actually up in the White Mountains in, in uh, New Hampshire. So, <clears throat> that's pretty much my all of the background. Now, on to the uh, topics. And I'm going to go into pet peeves and also my, uh, my theories on these topics. First off, I want to talk about, there's a whole, there's a lot of talk out there in the Bigfoot community about government conspiracies, government cover-ups. Now, I've listened to a lot of these stories, and, and uh, I'm going to mention specifically, you know, stories that I heard on Sasquatch Chronicles, because that's a fairly popular show, and I've, I listen to it myself. It's a good show. Um, I don't agree with some of the uh, some of the conclusions that the hosts, or I guess host now, there's well, I guess his brother's back on it now. Um, the hosts can come up with with some of the things, but we don't all agree about anything, any, every, everything anyway. But specifically, as far as the government conspiracies go, there was. There's a couple of stories that come to mind that re that are really kind of um, the perfect uh, examples of what what I'm going to talk about here. One of which was there was this operation. Actually, it was this guy who came on there and he wanted to share this story that was told to him secondhand, which uh, to me automatically would be. A, uh, a red flag but this guy's telling a story about some other guy that he talked to I think he was selling Bibles or something I don't know what the guy was doing but but there was a guy that was uh, I guess he wasn't doing too good he was dying of emphysema who wanted to get this off his chest this is the story allegedly so he told him that when he was working as a sheriff's deputy or something in some small town that he was approached by the government to him and one of his another deputy or something might have been two I know it was at least one uh, they wanted him to uh, I guess he was the sheriff I wanted him they wanted him to get uh, a team together so that they could go out and they could uh, put down the Sasquatch so they got into helicopters and they were out um, you know uh, scaring these Sasquatch downrange into a trap and then when they got to the trap they were going to gun them down and you know things went wrong and whatever um, the guy supposedly took pictures and these were supposed to be very clear pictures um, and his deputy had climbed down a rope ladder off of this helicopter and was dangling from the helicopter suspended on a rope ladder and used a rifle to kill a Sasquatch on the ground. Um, as I said before, I was an expert marksman in the, in the military. Um, actually, if I hadn't got a double feed on my, my final qualifying and basic training, I was actually going to end up going to sniper school. Uh, that's how good a shot I was. And I don't know if any of you, if you've ridden in a helicopter, 
you know that if you're in the helicopter, it'd be pretty difficult for you to make a shot like that. That's why, if you you know, in the Vietnam and on the Hueys, they have they have an M60 mounted to the side of the helicopter or a 50 cal. I think it's just 60s though. They they mount machine guns to the side of the helicopter, and the reason that they mount the machine guns to the side of the helicopter is because it's almost impossible to make a shot with a single shot bolt action kind of weapon or or any kind of single shot weapon. Um, because of the way that the helicopter moves. Now this guy supposedly not only was he shooting from a helicopter but he was shooting from a rope ladder hanging from a helicopter. So I have my uh, my doubts as to whether I, I'm sure somebody can do it. I probably I might even be able to do it but having ridden in a helicopter I know it wouldn't be easy and I probably wouldn't hit it the first time. So I really have my doubts about that. Unless that rope ladder was, was sit, hanging right smack in front of that Sasquatch. Where you could move the, the barrel back and forth a considerable amount and still hit the thing. I really have my doubts about it. But, you know, I uh, not knowing exactly what the environment was and exactly what was going on, I can't say for sure. But I'm just saying I have my doubts about that. But I'm not really into that. I'm not really talking about I'm talking about government conspiracy here. So that's just one of the things that makes me doubt the story. The other thing that makes me doubt, one of the other factors that makes me doubt, doubt the story is that here you have a government unit um, that comes out and they're tasked with eliminating these Sasquatch. And evidently they didn't bring their own snipers. So they had to go and get the local sheriff to shoot these things because evidently none of them could. I, there again, I, I really have my doubts about whether or not that would be the case. Not just because I think military personnel um, who are trained to shoot weapons uh, are probably better shots than most civilians. Um, those that are good, I mean, you have military people who are terrible shots too, but then you have military people who end up doing these kinds of missions. Most of them are damn good shots, um, better than average, and you're going to be hard-pressed to just walk into a sheriff's department and, and pick up two guys. They're going to be able to shoot as good as or better than the worst shots in the Army. You know, that's just the way it is. So, there's another warning sign right there for this story for me. Um, and then, you know, if, if this unit is, if this is their job to go out and do this, not only would they bring their own marksmen, but they're not going to involve people who haven't been read on to the situation. And read on, if you don't know, is a, is a term used by um, and if you have a security clearance, that's where you have to sign. Um, you, you read about what the mission is. And this isn't like a single mission. I guess it could be. But in general, it's not a single mission. Like the guys who um, are assigned to the unit to go around the country and uh, kill these Sasquatch, rogue Sasquatches. Um, they would be, when they were first brought in and indoctrinated into this mission, into the uh, the unit, they would be read on 
to what the unit's mission is, and that's to travel around and kill all the you know rogue Sasquatch. So, <clears throat> and then they have to sign non non disclosure uh, and so forth. So, um, the you know in when you have a security clearance, when you have a top secret security clearance, um, there's three categories. If you're, um, you know, you have your regular secret and top secret, then you have your, uh, and I'm trying to put this in civilian terms, you have your uh, next level up, um, which is a little bit more serious, secret and top secret, and then you have your SCI. Your SCI is the highest clearances that you can get. Now, when you get a uh, secret, top secret clearance, secret or top secret clearance at, say, CAT 2, you're only investigated, now I say only, but you, you they do a five-year background investigation on you. <clears throat> if you get a top secret SCI or a secret SCI, which really isn't much of that, but top secret SCI, they do a 15-year background investigation on you. So when I went in and I got my TSSCI, they did a 15-year background investigation on me, which took them 11 months to complete. So now this guy is saying that this unit came over, walked into his office, and decided to give him access to what I assume was at least Category 2 classified information which requires that everybody involved have at least a five-year background investigation. But they just walked into his office and let him and one of his deputies join the mission because they didn't bring their own marksmen. Yeah, I just don't believe it. I find, a hard time, I find it very hard to believe it. And now, this isn't like, you know, Category 2, Cat 1, 2, and 3, you know, classified. It's not like it's, it's uh, something new. I mean, I was in the in the military. Jeez, uh, what the hell? Uh, over twenty, what twenty five years ago, you know, and it had been around for at least twenty years when I went in. So this is a long time that these protocols and these standards for for classified have been around. Um, so I, I, it's not like this, oh, well, maybe this happened before classified was handled that way. I really doubt it. I mean, you're talking, we're going back into the 50s and 60s when this stuff was established. So, don't think so. Um, so, you know, they don't have the proper background investigation. They, they don't have proper clearance. The unit would have brought their own marksman. The, the, you know, this is supposed to be a classified black operation because they don't want it getting out and they just trust the first schmo that comes that they run into that has a gun. I don't think so. Okay. And then on top of that, there's the whole business of being able to, to pick a Sasquatch, a moving Sasquatch. You're going to pick him off from a dang, dangling from a rope ladder from a helicopter. Don't think so. I mean, you know, anything's possible. But having been there, having having actually worked in classified operations and knowing uh, classified doctrine and uh, protocols, and I mean there are strict uh, protocols you have to adhere to, no matter no matter how small the uh, 
the task is when you're working with classified information that it's a cat to or above. You, you just can't be slipshod. You can't be sloppy about it. You can't just do crazy stuff like that. Um, I mean, I could go on about why, uh, give you examples of just how um, picky the classified protocols are about the smallest little things. Well, I'll give you one example. When we have a hard, when we had a hard drive from a computer that had been used in the SCIF, in the secure facility, and say that computer, the hard drive died, it went bad. What we had to do was t dismantle the hard drive, take it apart, take the, the platters out of it, the little metal disk inside that actually store the, the data magnetically. And this is after it's been wiped three times with an encrypted, um, I don't, I don't think I should say what it, but it's an encrypted sequence that is repeated across the entire disk three times. You, you go over the whole disk once, twice, three times. And then after that's done, you would have to take the platters out of the hard drive and then you we would <clears throat> have to go back and take a grinder and we would have to grind the face of the discs and then after we grind the face of the disc we had to chop them into small pieces about an inch big and then they would be sent off to be melted down so you I mean it, that if that should I mean I thought it was overkill at the time um, but that's what we had to do in order to, in order to destroy a hard drive and it didn't matter what the hard drive was used for as long as that hard drive was with was inside the fence it could have been used you know by the by the MPs who were just basically playing solitaire at the uh, at the guard shack it didn't matter we still had to destroy it like that so that's how picky class of working with classified is. So you're not going to have these guys doing this kind of stuff like this guy's describing. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, there's your example. So it was hearsay. They're using the, um, Billy Bob and Joe Schmo out of the local sheriffs. They're doing it dangling from a helicopter. The whole thing is just unbelievable to me. Um, doesn't follow any classified protocols. Uh, okay, now let me talk talk about uh, the second um, story that I heard that it is just as unbelievable to me. And that was a story about a cop. And I don't know where he was, uh, anything like that. But he had investigated, he, he had investigated some, a Sasquatch had was harassing, I think it was an old man or an old woman or a couple, something like that. And <clears throat> in the course of his investigation, these two guys who supposedly show up everywhere, show up at his police station and he's brought into the office and told that he's not to, he's to forget all about this case. And he had to hand over his case files. And if I remember correctly, the guy somehow found out that these two guys worked for the Department of the Interior. Was it Department of Interior? Um, basically, they, were the, they worked for the people who were in charge of the, the uh, 
the forest, the national forests and stuff. And these guys had, um, these guys had authority, had such authority that they were able to come into town and tell his uh, sir or his chief or whatever, his chief of police or whatever it is, whoever, whether it was a sheriff or chief of police, I don't remember, but the, the boss, the, the guy over the whole department was able to tell him that you need to tell this guy that's it and and or we're going to start some some kind of trouble and i guess the guy was uh being threatened with losing his job and that kind of stuff but he didn't lose his job so then later on he did some show with uh on sasquatch chronicles i think it was called down the rabbit hole or something where he was uh on duty while he was talking to them on their show for an hour, well, 45 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that. And then he got called away to a, a, a 911 call. And then supposedly after he's called in for this 911 call, it turns out that it was a hang-up. And he gets there in the, the house that it was um, located at was abandoned. And... Uh, then he got he got called into the uh, the department and said, you know, why did it take you so long to get there? And he said, well, when they looked at the timing, he was actually it only took him two minutes to get there. Now this guy had been telling them a story about how these same two guys had been hauling ass through town. I think he said they were in a black van. And he recognized them. So he chased them down because they were exceeding the speed limit. They pull over. And he goes up there and he's like, hey, you know what? You're exceeding the speed limit. And you're, he's referred to it as code something, code four, code two, whatever. You know, police lingo. You know, what the hell are you doing? That kind of thing. And they said, well, we got business. And he said, really, you got business. So he goes, hey, why don't you tell me, I'm kind of paraphrasing, if you've listened to this show, you know what I'm talking about. He said, uh, why don't you talk to me? Why don't, you know, I could help you guys. And then Daryl, all uh, hemming and hawing, he goes, hey, get out, of the, get out of the truck, let's go back here. And then they open up the back of the van, and he sits on the back of the van and starts telling them how, hey, you know, I can be uh, an asset to you and all of this stuff. And uh, I guess eventually, by the time they finished the conversation, they say, you know what, maybe, you know, maybe you should come and work for us and that kind of thing. And he turned, turned down the job. I don't even know where to start with what the hell's wrong with that story. You know, the things that stick out like a sore thumb for me are these guys had earlier weeks or whatever before this, before he pulled them over, had threatened him with losing his job, had pulled him in to talk to his boss, who took his file, told him to stop investigating this thing, and threatened that he would lose his job. And yet, when they go hauling ass through town, because as they said, they had somewhere they had to be, you know, um, theoretically or, or um, supposedly, they were on their way to do what they do as far as Sasquatch in their classified um, capacity and they pull over for this town sheriff or deputy or whatever it was I find that hard to believe 
if they if this guy meant so little to them if they're so powerful that they could just have him lose his job in the blink of an eye why would they pull over for him when they're on their way to what evidently was a a, a critical call that they had to exceed the speed that he they were doing like 60 and a 30 according to him so they're exceeding the speed limit hauling ass to get somewhere and they pull over because he pulls them over you know he knows who they are they had to have known he knows who they are and yet they pulled over for him because why why would they have pulled over for him then not only that let's let's just assume that out of a courtesy they pulled over and then they tell him well they gotta go they're they're on their way to to a call or whatever and he says hey you know what get out of the van let's go back here and have us a chit chat and they do they open up the back of the van and they sit down and I don't know if they had a cooler a beer there or what but they sit down and have a good old chat whatever happened to the emergency call these guys were on you know the whole story just doesn't make sense to me then he's telling this story while he's on Sasquatch Chronicles while he's supposedly on duty well I would certainly hope that a cop who's on duty is not just sitting there in the back of a cornfield talking on his cell phone for 40 minutes you know I mean don't they make their presence known to the people who live in their town drive around in the streets so the people feel safe okay I mean, I'm from the city. Maybe, maybe, uh, I mean, I live in the country now, but I live out in the country, like out in farmland. I don't live in town where, you know, I don't know if the cops drive around so that people can actually see them, know that they're there, know that they're they're keeping an eye on things. But that's what I would suspect. So the whole thing just doesn't jive with me, you know, and these guys aren't going to sit down in the back of their van and start talking to him about classified information. Like I told you, classified information is guarded very closely, and there are certain protocols you follow. You don't just start talking to somebody, you know, it just doesn't happen. These are the kinds of things, these stories that I'm hearing about these government cover-ups and everything, when people, when I hear people go on these shows and they describe what happened, what I hear is people describing describing it the way that the movies represent it. You know, the, it doesn't happen that way. When you're really working in, a, in a, a classified environment, it's a whole different scenario than what you see in the movies. You know, you don't go home and talk to your wife about classified stuff. You don't go home and talk, I mean, people who are working with classified information at that level do not, you know, go out and and talk about it over lunch. They don't go, you know, meet at a have a barbecue in their backyard and talk about it. You don't do it. You only discuss it when you are in a secure facility. Period. You know, and um, you just can't do it. Trust me, I was there. You know, I I, I went to barbecues with people. Nobody discussed it anything you could not do it and everybody took it very seriously in the facilities I work and here's another thing I found funny and this isn't this was on finding Bigfoot there was a guy talking about it was uh, the atomic Bigfoot episode or something where they said you know a townie said hey the government knows all about this and it's a, it's a plot 
they're trying to keep people from finding out that Bigfoots are out here or some crap like that. But they supposedly had a, a, an old where they had um, made atomic bombs or something. And he said, I can take you right up as close as you can legally go to this thing. So, you know, they went out there to do an investigation and there was this chain link fence. And supposedly this facility, according to them, is highly classified. And I think they even, and don't quote me, they might not have said this. I'm going to think about another, another story here. But I think they said that it was also uh, um, classified to the point where it supposedly didn't exist kind of like Area 51. So they, when they were filming, they filmed this chain link fence with a sign on it that said, uh, "Don't no trespassing or something like that. Well, let me tell you something. When you're dealing with classified, um, high-level classified information, when you go up to this chain link fence, the sign doesn't say, no, no trespassing or trespassings will be prosecuted. It says you will be shot. It says lethal force authorized. If you don't see lethal force authorized on a sign on a fence, it's not a classified facility. It's just government property is all it is. Classified information is guarded with lethal force, at least the, at the level that I worked with. Um, you know, maybe... Uh, lesser classified they might only you know put up a no trespassing thing but when you're talking about something in and i'm assuming that these guys are representing these uh <clears throat> men in black bigfoot men in black are uh working at the at the highest level black ops kind of stuff which is you're not you're not going to deal with uh it's not just going to be a regular trespassing sign. It's going to say lethal force authorized. So these things that pe that you hear a lot of times, they're just bullshit. They're people trying to over-dramatize a lesser situation. Or they're trying to read into it what really isn't there. Um, they just, or, or they're just trying to make themselves seem more important because they've done this or something but uh it's just not true you know and like i have told i've actually sent a, a message to uh um wes there sasquatch chronicles and told him if you want i will i will vet anybody who tries to tell you that they have classified information because there are certain things you don't have to know what their mission is there are certain things that apply to every classified um, mission, period. There are certain things that you have to do with all classified information. And, I mean, you have to. It's, it's, there's no way around it. You absolutely have to do these, these things. So, if I were to talk to somebody who supposedly is dealing with classified, I could just ask them a few simple questions and I could tell you by their answers whether they're telling the truth or not. Of course, I never heard anything back from Wes, but he according, supposedly gets thousands of emails now, so maybe he just hasn't come across it yet. But the point is that there, because of those certain things that you protocols you have to follow when you're dealing with classified, it's really easy to spot a liar. Really easy. And when I hear these guys talking about um, 
some you know trying to sound like they're describing um, a classified black operation there are certain things I hear and I'm like well that's out of a movie because that's not real that's not how you do things you know I guess I should put it a different way I shouldn't say that they're lying because maybe they uh, they really believe what they're talking about so it's not necessarily a lie or a hoax it could be just that somebody else is perpetrating a hoax on them on these people um, I would sooner believe for instance if you you know Wes has said that he receives emails from people who have t talked about the things that go on with Bob down there in Texas I would suspect that this guy knows Bob and that he's actually trying to lend credibility to the things that Bob's saying by contacting Wes as a separate, as a different person and saying, oh yeah, I work for them and this is what I'm saying. I mean, unless you actually can verify that this guy works there and he is who he is, I mean, literally verify, not just ask a couple of people because you don't know who, you know, he might have done the same thing to these people, you know, you, you have to be able to verify it. Um, so, to me, it, it, it's very likely that if somebody's trying to drive up hits to their YouTube site, why wouldn't they say, get a buddy to, hey, why don't you contact this guy and say that you work for these people and, you know, this is the stuff that you know and link it back to me and then I'll say, oh yeah, yeah, that's, how did you know all that, you know, I mean, to me, it's it's a likely scenario, more likely scenario that that's what's happening, than that some guy who's risk putting his job at risk, uh, you know, is is talking about these things happening, which, for one, I know is bullshit, because it doesn't happen that way. Um, so anyway, I'm not trying to say the people are lying directly. I think that, you know, if there are people out there contacting people in the Sasquatch community and threatening them and saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't do it. To me, I, I personally think that that's probably the skeptics who are trying to screw with us. Um, other guys who are trying to somehow drive up their um, viewers, you know, things like that. The government doesn't have to call you and threaten you. They, they, they could very easily have have a, have a car go down pick you up at your house because they have the authority to do that take you to uh, an FBI uh, substation or, or something like that take you into an interrogation room and say look here's the deal you're gonna sign a non-disclosure agreement and that's the end of it they could do that they don't have to play these games now, one other story that was on Sasquatch Chronicles that I think is just um, complete bullshit <laughs> is a story about a guy named Bob down in Texas now I'm not saying that Bob hasn't seen Sasquatch or anything like that I'm talking about his government conspiracy theories he talked about how he got this uh, awesome footage of two Sasquatches staring at them at him and his two other companions are 
while they were out, you know, in the woods. And he got back to his house. And, well, actually, I think I think he was kicked off. He was kicked out or something. I know that at least one time he said that the men in black, quote unquote, had kicked him out and told him, I guess had been telling him he better watch his ass and that kind of stuff. So he was uh, being harassed by these men in black. They follow him around, that kind of thing. So he had gotten this, uh, this one time, he had gotten this, according to him, perfect video of the Sasquatch. And uh, went back to his house and was going to upload it immediately to, to his YouTube site. And uh, this is the guy who talks about that uh, campsite where the Sasquatch, I guess, had attacked the people and tore up the campsite down there in Texas. Um, which I saw the original video he first put up like a day or two after he put it up. And it didn't have blood and all that stuff in it. And so here the story he told about that on Sasquatch Chronicles did not match up with the video that I saw. But anyway, this is a whole, this is a different incident. This is, he takes the video, he take, gets the video of the Sasquatch, he gets home. And uh, he goes to upload it and he says all of a sudden this uh, shell screen pops up on his, on his uh, computer. And a shell screen, a command prompt, you know, it's a, it's a DOS prompt, if you know what I mean. It's a black window with has a little C colon and a carrot. Um, that's a command line, a command shell. Uh, and he says that pops up, and all of a sudden a whole bunch of crap starts scrolling. Uh, a bunch of ones and zeros, and the next thing he knew, you know, I don't know if his whole computer was wiped out. But that video was gone. Which I think, well, that's quite convenient that the moment you're trying to upload it, you know, this these government men in black get it get into your computer and <laughs> get and delete it. Um like I said in my background, I've done programming. I've been doing networking. I've I even once upon a time did a little hacking and I'll tell you that is not how it happens you know uh, that might be what they do in the movies see in, when you're doing movies like I said in my background I studied filmmaking I actually I've written some screenplays some that only got produced when you're doing movies you and you have to um, as far as visuals you have to do a visual that gets across the idea so that the people watching the movie know what's going on. So when you see in the movies things like screens scrolling ones and zeros and that kind of stuff, that's to get the, the point across to the audience that something is happening to the computer on a binary level. Because um, everyone knows what binary is. Binary is ones and zeros. That's computer language. What most, most people don't know is that that's not literally the case. When, when you look at a program that's on a computer, um, if you get a, some kind of a text editor or whatever that will just display what a binary program is, um, like a compiled program, 
it's just going to look like a bunch of crap when you open it up. It's not going to be ones and zeros. The only way that you see ones and zeros is if you use a binary editor, and that's a special type of editor that can read it right off, read the uh, physical media itself. So to say you've seen ones and zeros flashing across your screen is just bullshit. It doesn't happen. Um, in addition to that, they're not going to do that. They, they, there are so many ways that they could take care of this guy if that's what they want to do that, that they don't have to break into his computer and, and wipe out a, a single file that he only got, what, an hour before that? You know, what are they, psychic? Or does he think that he's bugged too? Because I'll tell you what, I, I, personally I think the government has a lot better things to do than to be bugging Bob in Texas. Um, I don't think that they care that much about what he's doing down there. Because why would they? Have you looked at his YouTube site? There's very little, there's nothing there. And when you talk to him and his cronies, they say, well, we don't want to post the good stuff. Or we don't want to post this other stuff we have. We have all kinds of video and photographs of Sasquatch, but we choose not to post it because they don't want to be, you know, I guess ridiculed or whatever. They don't want people scrutinizing the pictures and saying it's not what they say it is, etc. Well, okay, but you would prefer to be scrutinized by the government and, I mean, you're getting, you're getting it either way. Why don't you post what the heck you got? If you have something that proves Sasquatches exist, put it up there and this goes to anybody because I mean you have Todd standing up there that, that guy is such a, a, a joke he I I take very seriously the uh, what is it he says on that show I take very seriously the confidentially of these creatures really he's trying to supposedly he wants to have them protected but he doesn't do anything to, to prove to anybody that they exist you know, he takes their, them very confidentially. Uh, finding Bigfoot went out there to supposedly uh, prove or see see about some sighting he got. The, the, the uh, what do they call it? The watcher or something like that where the thing um, is standing and then it squats down in the, in, the, in the brush. So they go out there to talk to him. And this guy takes him to a location that's similar to the location where he took the footage. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Why did they even waste their resources to go out there? I can only assume that they didn't know he was going to do that. Um, but why would he do that? It's like, hey guys, come out here and let's prove that I saw that this, is, this footage is genuine. But I'm not going to take you to the actual site so that you can do a size comparison or anything like that. You're just gonna have to take my word for it. And then he says, and then he does this, uh, this uh, self-indulgent speech about how no, nothing's ever gonna be good enough. That you know, you could have the best video and all that, which you know may be true. But he's not helping matters by doing, playing the games he's playing. Uh, anyway, as far as Bob and his and his scrolling ones and zeros, that that is not what it looks like when somebody hacks your computer, people. When somebody hacks your computer, you don't even know it happened. You know, and they don't need a shell prompt to pop up on your display to do it. I mean, if that happened, that was somebody messing with them. And not the government. The government's a lot better at doing it than, than that. Um, as far as these conspiracies and stuff, I'm not saying they don't happen. Maybe they do. 
I'm saying the stories I've heard are bullshit. I know because of, of my background and programming and, and uh, networking. And I was a network engineer, you know, I mean, and I, I had top secret clearance. I've worked with the NSA. I, I know uh, my background gives me the uh, unique, puts me in the unique position to determine whether these people are telling the truth or not. And I've not heard anyone that sounded legitimate so far. Um, now, as far as whether they do, these government conspiracies do happen, perhaps they do. Um, the, the theory that they're trying to protect the logging industry, I don't know if I buy into that one as much. Um, I mean, I'm sure that it's a, it's a huge industry and so on, um, but I don't know that they would chance <clears throat> the fallout. I mean, I'm sure it's going to end up and one of these activists, one of these animal groups is going to sue the government, you know, because once it comes out that these these things are real and they they have any, they just bring a bunch of witnesses in that talk about these guys covering it up, there, there's going to be a, a lawsuit. So, I don't think the government would, uh, and, and since it's the biggest, it will be the biggest discovery, you know, in, uh, I don't know if it would be, uh, what zoological history or whatever anthropology history I don't know what you would call it but you know it's huge and then the fact that the government covered it up that's not going to look too good at all on them so <clears throat> I don't know that they would do it I think that they would probably if they knew about these things being out there they would probably take steps to um maybe guide or, or move the industry, these logging industry, away from where their habitat is to uh, give them a habitat so that in the end when it does come out they can say, well, we've been working to protect them all along. Something like that would happen. They wouldn't try to hide it. And at this point, the way most people are, you know, most skeptics are, they think everyone's crazy if you believe in Bigfoot. I don't think they, they feel like they have to because you come out there and you say, you know, I saw footprints. Nobody cares. You have a, you have a blob squatch picture. Nobody cares. They think it's a hoax. You know, um, there's really not much they have to do to, to keep it quiet. So why would they? I think if they are uh, trying to keep it quiet, it would be because they know that they're they exist. They've already looked at, um, they've already got a hold of one or two or whatever, and they've discovered that they're a sentient uh, species. You know that these are creatures that it's going the can of worms isn't going to be the logging industry. The can of worms is going to be similar to when we came over here and we and we uh, the way we treated the Native Americans. That, I think, is what the, the, the can of worms is going to be. Um, I think, if anything, it's because they found out that Sasquatch is a developing race that has intelligence and can communicate and they're self-aware. And being here in the country, they, they're entitled to, to uh, civil rights. Um, they're entitled to ownership of land. Uh, that, to me, would be more... Uh, a bigger reason why the government want, would want to uh, 
to cover it up, you know. And since the Sasquatch are out there and they seem to be happy, you know, I think the the deal would be that if we were to a, be able to uh, capture a Sasquatch and discover that this this is a this is a being that has a language and we can communicate with it, and then we start to tell the Sasquatch, you know what's what that they 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 deserve these things that that maybe the sasquatch is going to start demanding it but right now they're happy so they want to keep us separated that would be my theory as far as a government cover-up would go i don't think they really care about the logging industry and that we know that we have these uh, uh i call i would call it an angel investor um, these these angels out there who are, are funding people to do Bigfoot research we know that uh, they, they buy them equipment I mean it's like the bottomless pit of money who's to say that skeptics don't have the same thing I mean maybe there's a, there's a guy out here who's got more money than God and he says I'm I, I'm gonna try and you know throw a wrench in this whole Bigfoot thing maybe for, for all we know it could be the logging companies you know, I mean, if they're uh, looking at possibly having, uh, losing, you know, millions or billions or whatever it happens to be, dollars, maybe they're, these men in black don't work for the government, they work for the logging industry. And the government has, doesn't know anything about it, you know. Maybe these guys do work for the Department of the Interior, which to me is a joke. I mean, how, how's the Department of the Interior going to have any kind of authority over over a law enforcement agency but let's say they work for the department of the interior and the logging industry is paying them on the side to use their credentials to wreak a little havoc in the bigfoot community to go out here and cover stuff up and, and that's what these guys do you know who knows to me that's a more likely scenario than the government itself is actually behind it I don't think so. I would I would sooner think that it's a private um, company that has something to gain, or a private person that has something to gain from from causing this kind of uh, uh, dissension in the in the Bigfoot community. Don't the government? They they have easier ways of doing it. They don't have to play games. You know, I mean, they can come and get you and take you and make you disappear, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. They could do it under the Patriot Act. Which, I don't know, maybe the Patriot Act don't exist anymore, but I think it's only part of it that's gone. But Gitmo, they could send you down to Gitmo. All over with. Bye-bye. You know, because you could be considered... They could twist it into you being some kind of an economic terrorist because you're trying to cause a, a failure in the logging industry, which would mess up the economy. It's like they, I mean, they could turn it into that. Um, but ultimately, they don't have to. They could pick you up put you in Gitmo, and when everyone says, why did you grab them, they say, we can't discuss that, it's, it's a matter of national security, and that's the end of it, you would just never be heard from again, so for, for people to think they're playing these shadow games, they're, they're sneaking around, and you know, they're covering up footprints and all that stuff, it's, it's just silliness really. So those are just some pet peeves as far as that. Let me move on here. I'm stuck on this classified stuff a little too long. Let's move on. Stick structures. Okay, I heard in this. This isn't a pet peeve. This is just me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna kind of throw out there what my uh, 
theories on stick structures are. Right? As far as I'm concerned, I mean, right up the street from here, we don't have any... I mean, I guess we could have a Bigfoot that travels through here now and then because I am in Ohio. But I'm in northwestern Ohio. Um, at best, we would have a Sasquatch that travels along, you know, the ri rivers and stuff, the creeks and rivers to get from, you know, one spot to another. But he ain't stopping here for long. But if you go right up the road here about maybe a mile from where I'm at, there's a river that goes through um, and go, and it eventually connects up with uh, one of the Great Lakes up here. But uh, if you go down there, there's a whole lot of uh, broken trees, down trees. You know, I mean, I, I keep meaning to, and I probably will, I probably will to make another show out of it, is walk through there with a camera and see how many, um, quote, stick structures as, you know, like those TP structures that I could find in there because I'm fairly certain that none of them have been created by a Bigfoot. So I think that in a lot of cases, a lot of structures can be explained as just, you know, we have really bad wind here, and I'm sure that's exactly what causes it. Um, nobody around here can have a fence. You can't have, well, you could have a chain link fence, but you couldn't have like a wooden fence. I have a wooden fence I built, built out here outside the house, and I have to um, brace it with two by fours because the wind is so bad that it'll just rip the fence. Uh, we have a, a barn across the road here that we had a squall line come through here a couple of years ago and literally ripped the doors off of it. So, I mean, the wind gets pretty bad up here. We have wind, wind, uh, wind generators. Uh, this is a generator farm here. We have them tall windmills. You know, for, from here, because I'm right at the state line, from here for about, I think it's about 10, 15 miles, there's nothing but windmills. That's how much wind we get here. Um, so I'm sure that that's what's going on down there. However, if you go in there and look around, you, you would probably, if you were um, the kind of person who wanted to see um, Bigfoot and everything that you're you're seeing out here, you would probably think, oh my God, Bigfoots! There must have been a dozen of them had a rumble out here, because there's just you know broken trees and stuff everywhere. So, you know, uh, there there's a, a natural a natural explanation for these stick structures um, in many cases. However, I do believe that Sasquatch has something to do with some of it, or could. And mainly because I can, I can think of reasons why they would create these um, certain stick structures. Um, the inverted trees. Now that one's kind of a, you know, the trees are stuck in the ground and they're upside down and the roots are sticking up in the air. That one to me is just, that's baffling. I mean, you, you just, I, if somebody's doing that, if that is a hoax, I really would love to know what the hell they're doing. Why are they sticking those trees and how? You know, because if it's to be believed, because I've never seen one myself, if it's to be believed, these uh, trees are shoved in the ground pretty far. Um, and some of the ones I've seen are, are in places where it would be pretty tough to get a piece of heavy equipment out there to do it uh, without leaving some kind of... Uh, 
trace that, that the heavy equipment had been in there. Like the ground's all tore up from them getting up in there and that kind of thing. But it looks like, you know, pristine meadow and it just has a tree sticking out of it. So those are, those are really interesting, really intriguing. Um, my theory on those things is that uh, there's some kind of markers. Um, hell, they could be, they could mark the place where a Sasquatch died. That would kind of make sense, kind of like a gravestone almost. They could mark um, maybe a corner, like a cornerstone, mark the center of multiple territories well, between competing uh, alpha males. Uh, you know, something along those lines. Those, those are the most enigmatic of the tree structures as far as I'm concerned. The one thing that I think those trees are used for is some kind of distance marker because they, they, they're going to stick up above everything else. So a Sasquatch will be able to see it from considerable distance, unlike the teepee structures. You know, because te those teepee structures, from a distance, a Sasquatch, nobody's going to know whether those are natural or unnatural. However, that tree up upside down with the roots sticking up in the air, First of all, it's usually a pretty tall tree, you know, and you can see the roots from a good distance. There's no mistaking what that thing is. So they're obviously used for some sort of a distance, some, some, some sort of marker that they need to be able to determine from a distance, not close up, not as they're walking through kind of thing. So as far as those TP type of structures, um, again, I don't have any around here. I would love to be able to investigate them. Ones that uh, I would be pretty sure were Sasquatch related. Um, I would love to be able to um, scrutinize them a little bit more. Um, but I, I don't have that luxury. So if any of you out there have that luxury, listen to, to my theory here. And uh, feel free to get in touch with me and let me know if, if you think it could be or not. But I think those teepee structures are quite possibly hunting blinds. You know, if you were to walk around them, the ones I've seen, well, some not so, not, some no, some yes. Um, they, they seem to have, the sticks are set up so that they're thicker on one side. And, and it just, to me, it seems a lot like a hunting blind. And I'm not so sure that the, the teepee structures that are being found aren't old, disused Sasquatch hunting blinds. Because when they first put them up there, they might have had branches on them and, and leaves so that they w you could not see them. So the Sasquatch would get in the middle of it, and when the prey comes by, the deer or whatever, bang, he's got them. So it would be interesting to know if those are on game trails, you know, on or near game trails. Um, if there's any kind of a vantage point that they have, um, that kind of thing. If any of them are brand new, and 
do they have leaves? Don't they have leaves? You know, are they constructed in such a way that if a Sasquatch was in there, there would be some um, some direction where you would not see it in there, or it would be difficult to see, because deer's don't deer don't have a, a very good eyesight as far as uh, um, you know. If you're standing still, they're, they they have a hard time figuring out you're there. All right, so that's my theory on the teepees. Now you have the bent over saplings. Uh, I've not heard anybody give a theory on what those are. The the teepee structures I heard. What is it? I think it was on the Les Stroud show. He said that supposedly it's whenever there's um, a newborn, you know, a birth. They build this, and then each stick represents one of the family members or something. I don't know if I believe that, but I guess it could be. But as far as the bent over saplings, I haven't heard anybody say anything about that. Um, there's the whole X thing. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I believe that. I guess it could be. Um, but in any case, the the X's are most of the ones that I've seen that I any credibility in that being a possibility are actually you know they're kind of large X's large X structures I'm talking about the saplings that are just bent over and stuck in the ground or put up underneath a log or whatever like that what I've noticed is that all of those saplings all the ones I've seen well 90% 95% of them are uh, they're only what maybe three to five feet off the ground at, at the at the apex where the where they're bent you know the high high point and I watched a uh, video here recently uh, um, a guy named Freddie I think it's Freddie Canny um, he had uh, videotaped back in the woods there I think he's in Virginia or West Virginia where um, there's a lot of those saplings bent over and this is really where I came up with this theory because I had always been baffled by what the heck that would be for um, until I saw this video. And I think, to me, it looks like those saplings are bent over as a means of funneling the game to, to guide the game in a direction. Because if you're chasing a deer and that deer goes hauling butt through the trees it's, and it's a, trying to escape being chased, it's not going to try and go over or through these saplings that are bent over. It's going to turn. So I think the saplings being bent over by the Sasquatch are quite possibly a means of controlling the direction that the deer is going to, to, to um, funnel them into an ambush point. Um, but Freddy's uh, video, he, he didn't... Uh, film it in such a way that you could tell what the patterns were to see if there was basically a corridor that it seemed that uh, the deer could have been being uh, forced to follow so it would be very interesting to hear from somebody uh, out there if you have an area that has those kinds of structures in it if you could uh, go out and have a look and see if that could quite that could possibly be what it is is that you know they do appear to be set up in such a way that if, if you were running a deer that deer would continue to move in a specific direction 
and end up at a, at a perfect ambush point. It would be very interesting to hear that. So, that's pretty much it. That's my, uh, my rambling episode about my theories and pet peeves and that kind of thing. If you'd like to come on the show and talk about your experience and any theories that you've, uh, any uh, conclusions or theories that you've come up with based on your experience, uh, feel free to give me an email at Sasquatch Hypotheses. That's an ES, not an IS, it's plural, um, at gmail.com. Give me a little uh, broad, uh, broad strokes of your story so I can know what you're talking about be more than happy to have you on the show or you can contact me through my google plus page sasquatch hypothesis just search for sasquatch hypothesis on google plus and you'll find it um, and also my youtube channel again sasquatch hypothesis and if you're listening to this you probably already know that or have a way of getting to my youtube channel anyway but there you go So, anyway, that's the show. Good night.